It's good to see everybody. We had a fantastic service here today, this morning. <laughs> it was phenomenal, and we're having a great service here in the house of God tonight. I'm thankful for his faithfulness. Amen. And I'm thankful that tonight I am in the house of God. Some of you are. Some of you are viewing elsewhere. And I want to say how much I appreciate each and every one of you. What you will receive at the end of the service is one of the good things that have taken place uh, through all of this has been the fact that our tribe leaders have gathered information and we have put people into tribes and trying to get all of that uh, directed and focused and then trying to figure out how to communicate with people <clears throat> since you can't do that at church. And so we're using flock notes. So you'll get at the end of service, even if you were here tonight, you will get at the end of service from your tribe leader. If you were here tonight at the service, text in here and that is a way of taking attendance in which you are accountable and responsible to and for and not us up here trying to figure out who was here and who wasn't and then calling some people and then them saying wait a minute I was there two of the three services that supposedly I missed so it's a personal accountability and responsibility and I myself I get great satisfaction out of texting back here. I want you to know I was in the house of God. Wherever it may be, I am here. Amen. And there's got to be a good reason for me not putting here. I'll be out of the country. I Maybe even out of the country could say here, right? Because you can tag in, connect, and be a part no matter where you are. And so if you get that, uh, keep doing that. We're going to keep doing that even when we reconvene and we're having regular services. It connects all of us together. Amen. Are you thankful for God's goodness and God's mercy to you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Galatians 5, 16. Very short passage of Scripture. Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, the region, and he leaves them with this word in verse 16 of chapter 5. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For a few moments tonight, I want to preach on an interesting topic, subject, title. I want to speak on this subject, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would direct us. I pray that you would strengthen us, draw us closer to you, and establish us. We thank you for your word, for the power that comes from it, from an uplifting and encouraging that takes place when there is a preached word, where there is an exhortation. We ask, Lord, that you would do these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a gothic novella by Scottish author Robert Lewis Stevenson. It was first published in 1886. Strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It is about a London legal practitioner by the name of Gabriel John Utterson, who investigates strange occurrences between an old friend by the name of Dr. Henry Jekyll and the evil Edward Hyde. The novella's impact is such that it has become part of the language and the vernacular. The phrase Jekyll and Hyde has entered into the mainstream of language so that people utilize it, understand it, uh, know it, and it has to do with a person's 
unpredictable dual nature. Usually very good, but sometimes shockingly evil. Jekyll and Hyde. The inspiration for this novella, a novella is a short story. The inspiration may have, in fact, come from the writer's friendship with an Edinburgh-based French teacher by the name of Eugene Chantrell, who was convicted and executed for the murder of his wife in May of 1878, who had appeared to lead a normal life in the city, and he, in fact, poisoned his wife with opium. According to the author Jeremy Hodges, Stevenson, the writer of Jekyll and Hyde, was present throughout the trial. And as the evidence unfolded, Stevenson found himself aghast before the acts of someone that he thought that he knew. It was believed that this particular teacher had committed other murders, both in France and Britain, by poisoning his victims at supper parties with a favorite dish of toasted cheese and opium. One of the inspirations, it is said, is this friendship in the life of the author Stevenson. The story recounts Dr. Jekyll, an upstanding citizen that was experiencing and experimenting with a serum, some kind of concoction in a laboratory that he would be able to take and indulge in unstated vices, and he found a way to transform himself and indulge in these, in these vices without fear of detection. His transformed body, so goes the story, Hyde, Mr. Hyde, was evil, self-indulgent, and uncaring to anyone but himself. As the story progresses, Dr. Jekyll that created this serum to change into an alter ego involuntarily turns into Mr. Hyde. And the only way to transition back into Dr. Jekyll was to take the serum that he had created. But slowly, as the story progresses, the serum starts losing its effect. And eventually, one of the chemicals that was used ran low and subsequent batches prepared are not having the same effect and they start failing to work. Realizing, realizing that he would stay transformed as Hyde, Jekyll decided to write his confession. And he ended the letter by writing this. Here then, as I lay down the pen and proceed to seal up my confession, I bring the life of that unhappy Henry Jekyll to an end. With these words, both the document and the novella, the short story, come to a close and to a conclusion. It is obvious to the reader that when they find Mr. Hyde dead in the laboratory from an apparent suicide in Dr. Jekyll's laboratory with Dr. Jekyll's clothes on, by now the reader knows that they are one and the same person. This novella is frequently interpreted as an examination of the duality of human nature, usually expressed as an inner struggle between good and evil. Others who have examined this and their analysis is that it's not necessarily that, but it is an understanding of Victorian standards where a morally good person in some cases, Dr. Jekyll was not a, a moral person by Victorian standards, which is why they give this analysis, is that there was a very much a discrepancy between a Victorian public lifestyle and a personal lifestyle. And this novella is a piercing description of the fundamental 
dichotomy between the 19th century outward respectability and inward lust, as this period had a tendency for social hypocrisy. Whatever the case may be, using this literary piece to capture your attention, I, I use it so that I can bring about a biblical point to you tonight, and that is you cannot transform the world by being a hypocrite. You're not effective if you're withholding something. Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse 36, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. If there was ever a time to say, I'm going to live for God with everything that is in me, I would say now is probably a really, really good time to take inventory and say, this is the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to serve you with everything within my capacity, every breath I breathe, every opportunity I have to praise you, every ability that is within me. I'm going to give you everything. Praise God. Clap your hands and thank the Lord together. Amen. I'm going to give you everything. Not going to withhold anything, but I'm going to spill myself and be spent for the kingdom of God. It's not worth being spent for anything else, for people that don't care. But if you can get into the realm of saying, I'll give my life for the kingdom of God because of what he has richly done in my life, I'll be spent for his kingdom. God, spend me on the altar of your kingdom and your direction. Amen. Let me know you're out there here tonight. Come on, somebody. Say praise the Lord. Somebody say, yes, I hear what you're saying. I want to give everything I've got. I want to give everything that I've got. If you've got breath to breathe, praise God with it. If you have the ability to clap your hands, don't take that for granted. Clap your hands. If you have the ability to leap for joy, leap for joy while you have the opportunity. If you have the ability to dance before the Lord, dance before the Lord because there may come a time and you may not have the faculties to do that. So while you have the time now, give God praise now for his goodness and his greatness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. So whether or not Stevenson was coming from a scriptural standpoint or not, you can walk, you can choose to walk in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. Amen. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why am I in the house of God tonight? Because I want to walk after the Spirit. I don't want to walk after the flesh. I am in Christ Jesus. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you're in the Spirit. Praise God. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you're not in doubt. And you're not in unbelief. And you're not in confusion. But when you're in Christ Jesus, you're in something that that is powerful. When you're in Christ Jesus, there is no doom, but there's freedom and there is liberty in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am in him and there is no doom. There's no judgment upon my life. Praise God. There's a juxtaposition and like many things in scripture, there's a dichotomy. There's two parts of the equation. You can be in the flesh or you can be in the spirit. So let's take the first one and let's talk about what it means to be in the flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Why do you folks go to church so much? Why are you so convinced that, that you got to be there? What's important about all of that? Because we want to be in the Spirit. And that's a good opportunity to make sure that our lives are aligned with being in the Spirit. I'm not going to clubs here tonight. I'm not going to the bar somewhere. 
I'm not turning to addiction somewhere. I'm not turning to the vices of the world somewhere. I'm in the house of God because I want to be in the spirit and not in the flesh. I don't want to mind the things of the flesh. Romans 13 and verse 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would i believe in this place here tonight and beyond these four walls there are people that want to be used of god there are people that want to impact the world that is around them there are people that want to influence their families with the goodness of God well let me stand flat-footed here and say you're not going to impact your family if you're walking in the flesh but if you are in the spirit there is a power that comes and an influence that can come that can change the things that are around you Praise God, praise God, praise God. I want revival. I want a move of the Holy Ghost. I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. And so in an effort to see that happen, I need to make sure that I am in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 8 says something very profound. He that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Whatever you plant, brother, you're going to reap whatever you're planting. Whatever you put in the ground, sister, you're going to reap the consequences of what you're putting into the ground and what you're watering, what comes up. Don't be surprised if there are some consequences based on what comes up because that's the crop that you have planted. You know why I'm in the house of God often? Because I've planted a crop, I put a seed in the ground, and I am watering it every time I come to the house of God, every time I open my Bible, every time I spend some time in prayer, I'm watering something that I may not see now, but I know just a few days there's going to be a crop that starts popping up and what's going to come up is blessing and what's going to come up is goodness and what's going to come up is the power and the grace of God because I planted some things. You say, well, pastor, I'm reaping the consequences of the wrong crop that within tonight plow under plow under and start planting some new seeds God I'm praising you here I know what's been done has been done but could you help me get a fresh start get a new start plant some new seeds and see God do great things don't give up don't get up just keep plowing just keep plowing, just keep planting, just keep watering it. God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, God's going to produce it. It's going to come to pass. Amen, it's going to come to pass. Now this is very, very important. This is, if you will, the didactic wandering off of the preaching to the teaching just for a moment. To talk to you about the wrong way of, of thinking about the flesh that is being described here. Listen very, very carefully. This is very, very important, and this will help you tremendously. Many Christians have taken the flesh in these verses and in similar verses to mean quite literally the physical body our eyes our ears our feet our hands and especially when people are talking about lust even our genitalia yes i said that you heard me right people's passions and carnality are driven by some things that can be very very destructive 
All this language about not living according to the flesh or making no provision for the flesh or not sowing to the flesh, they view that as denying our physical body in some way in favor of an inner spirituality. And so our bodies become bad, but the spiritual is good. Now, let me just say right here, let me give you a caveat. Sometimes it is good to fast because it, it tells your appetites. You are not in control. I'm taking some time here, and I want God to be in control. And so sometimes it's good to fast from our appetites, but our appetites are a part of our bodies, a part of our humanness. And those appetites in and of themselves are not bad. Hence is the expression or the understanding of downplaying or even rejecting our bodily desires for food, drink, sexuality, intimacy, and more. But this doesn't quite work when you start looking at other passages that describe the flesh. There's a variety of meanings that come from the word sarks, S-A-R-X, sarks, which is the flesh. Sarks is used in a lot of ways. It does mean parts of the body and fleshly parts of the body, but all flesh means all living creatures, all flesh. Flesh and blood can mean human beings, or it maybe even can mean my own flesh and blood. Paisley, you're my own flesh and blood, so respect it. All flesh means all living creatures. Flesh and blood can mean even our own kin. One flesh, one flesh. The two became one flesh. When a man and a woman joins together in marriage, they become one flesh. That means a shared kinship. They're agreeing together to be together, to move together, to share together. It's a shared kinship. And that's what being one flesh means. Well, I want to be myself. I don't want you getting over into my stuff. I want to be independent of your stuff, and so just leave me alone. That's not one flesh. <laughs> one flesh is a shared kinship. We are in this thing together. Amen. Paul can use the word flesh in these sorts of ways, none which are inherently negative about our bodies. Paul can even say positively, the life I now live in the flesh, Sarks, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a positive view of the flesh. He also uses the word soma, which is body, quite a bit. And many of those are positive. He says the believer's body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He says that Christians ought to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. He, in fact, insists that our future resurrection state is going to be imperishable. It's going to be immortal. It's going to be untouched by sin and death. And it will still involve a body. It's just going to be an immortal body when this mortal body shall put on immortality. So Paul uses all of these understandings of the flesh. And he's not viewing them in a negative sense. So my question here tonight is, what is the flesh that Paul is talking about? Paul likes these, these dual uh, viewpoints. They're they're, you can call them binary viewpoints. They're viewed in two different perspectives. You can have the flesh, like we talked about, and the spirit. You can have the law, and you can have Christ. You can have the present age, and you can have the age to come. And this really is where we get a hint of what Paul is really meaning when he's talking about being in the flesh. It's directly connected to this present age 
and the age to come. I, I want you to know this here tonight. I'm looking for and I'm hasting for the present age to disappear, go away, and I'm looking for the age to come, to come crashing in on us. I think we need to pray, come Lord Jesus. I don't know what you're looking for in this present age, but I'm looking for something that is greater. There's some good things in this present age. I enjoy seeing you and family, but there's got to be something better than this present world, and that is a world that Jesus Christ has promised us that will be a redeemed world. Amen. So we get an understanding from the present age and the coming age that helps us make sense of what it means to be in the flesh. The present age that we're in is characterized by powers that are in the world. They have an influence on us. They have an influence over us. They can even, even control us. Human kingdoms, rulers, and authorities, the internal forces that animate these groups and leaders, the structures and the systems that they create, that creates what we can call a world, this present age, that perpetuates injustice, oppression, that commits violence and bringing destruction. And behind these powers is the worst of them all, and that is the fact that sin and the wide-ranging death that accompanies sin is all wrapped up in this present age. I don't want the present age. I want the, I want the age to come. I don't want the sin and the destruction and the dysfunction and the confusion. I want something different. Do I have a witness in the house here tonight? You tasted of the present age. You saw where the present age took you. You saw the addictions that became associated with the present age. But thank be to God that gave to us an understanding that this present age is not all there is. There is something greater. There's something greater. Amen. The coming age, the coming age, by contrast, is the kingdom of God. When Jesus Christ came into the world, there was an inbreaking into the present age. And Jesus Christ declared an age to come. There was a new creation that all of a sudden appeared in the life of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven came down and dwelt among men. The powers of sin and death were eradicated. And all of a sudden things were brought unto God's liberating, loving reign. And the end result of him coming into the world was life and life more abundantly. You know what? They can make fun of me all they want that I'm not having a good time, I'm not with it, I'm not down with it, I'm not cool, I'm not hip, I don't roll, I don't do a lot of things. They can spit all the hate they want. I want you to know that in the house of God and living for God is where life and life more abundantly is really, really found. It is in God's goodness. It is in God's presence. It's in God's ability he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. God took those chains off of us. God removed those shackles off of us and gave to us a liberty to lift our hands and to lift our voice and to magnify him and declare that he is great and greatly to be praised. Let's praise him together right now. Let's worship him together right now. You've brought freedom. You've brought liberty. You've given Given me a hope, a hope that maketh not ashamed. Praise God, praise God. He's brought shalom. Praise God, shalom. He brought shalom here. Stand up, shalom. <laughs> Stand up. He brought shalom. Shalom means peace. Thank you. He brings peace. But here's what's exciting. There's the present age, and then there's the age to come. But when Jesus comes, he gives us just a little bit 
of the age to come and he brings it into the present age. And so there's, there's two ages. There's this present age and there's the age to come. But Jesus comes and Jesus, knock, knock. I'm introducing the age that is coming and giving you the earnest of your inheritance. So even, so even though you're in the present age, you can get a little taste of what the age to come is going to be like. Oh, I'm going to bring some peace from the age to come into the present age so that you can be peaceful. I'm going to bring the power of the age to come into the present age so that you can feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And so God calls us to live out God's reigning kingdom. He calls us to operate in his kingdom. He calls us not to be so steeped in and connected to and ingratiated in the present age. But he calls us to do the work of the age that is to come. That is the kingdom of God that operates in this present age. You're not just coming to church here sitting on a pew. You have been brought into the kingdom of God and you are doing a work of the age that is to come to help people in this present age to know that Jesus is in fact one that can redeem them from their difficulty, struggles, and powers so that you become the direct representative of Jesus Christ himself in the present age, breaking into the present age with a testimony to other people that are around you that there is a God that loves you. He has come to heal the brokenhearted. He has come to bind up the wounds of those who have been wounded. You have the ability to be involved in that kingdom. And so when Paul talks about the flesh and living according to the flesh, He's talking about living in a self-centered, selfish way of being human, which is at the root of our sin and all of its deathly consequences because we involve ourselves in a self-centered, selfish way of living. And that is exactly what is behind the evil powers of this present age, which is carnality. Paul's not talking about our natural bodily desires for food, drink, and more. He's talking about those desires that have turned inward. And so now all that I'm living for are my appetites. The only thing that brings me inspiration and motivation is my appetites. This is what a carnal person is always thinking about is his carnal appetites. And that is walking and living in the flesh. It is, it is something that is, causes quite a consternation in Paul's life when he sits down and he starts examining. When he starts examining living in this kind of lifestyle, he says, I am carnal, I'm sold under sin. The things that I allow not for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that's what I do. The things I hate, that's what I end up doing. Paul said, there is a struggle. If I do that, which I would not, I don't want to do it, I consent unto the law that it is good. He says, it's not me that's doing it. It's sin that is dwelling in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my own appetites, in my human existence. I know that there is nothing good in that. For to will is present with me. I want to do what is right, but I have a struggle in trying to perform that which is good, I can't find what is good. And so there is a, there's a, 
there's a difficult battle for the good that I would, I, that's not what I do, and the evil which I don't want to do, I end up doing that. And so he said, I find a law in me that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And finally, he comes to an explosive exclamation. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? in the flesh and I am walking in the flesh. I'm living based upon my appetites directing and controlling me. But then he gets to chapter 8 and verse number 1 and he says there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Man, when you start walking in your carnality, there are things that start manifesting in your life. I know this is terrible. I know this is the negative side of things, but there's a positive side, so just hang on. Paul said, I recognize this carnality and this flesh, this drive to operate in a selfish human way in this present age. It manifests some things in my life. That's why he describes them in Galatians chapter five in verse number 19 he says what is manifested when you walk in the flesh is adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness and idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and emulations and wrath and strife and seditions and heresies and envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like of the which i tell you before and i've told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god the antidote to this, the antidote to this problem is not to deny our bodily, uh, our bodily desires. These are part and parcel of what it means to be human. They are God-given. They are a part of God's very good creation. Rather, the antidote is to rightly order those natural desires around a love for God and around a love for others and around a love for the kingdom of God. you got to bring your flesh into the right priorities to say that, 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 and that, that ain't it but this 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 and this this is that which was prophesied by the prophet joel i'm going to live by the power of god in my life praise god i'm going to live by the holy ghost in my life not by my own appetites that can drive me to a distraction not by pride and arrogancy and vanity but by the power of the holy ghost in my life i'm going to walk in the spirit i'm not walking in the flesh i'm walking in the spirit amen the antidote is to rightly order things in your life around a love for god this is a resurrected way of living through jesus christ that is walking in the spirit not in the present age but in the image of jesus christ and this is what it means to walk in the spirit Romans chapter 8 is filled with walking in the spirit language. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What does the spirit of God do in my life? It frees me from the law of sin and death. They that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. When I'm in the spirit, I'm minding the things of the spirit. And God is molding me and shaping me to be involved in the kingdom of God with his purposes for my life. To be spiritually minded, says the scripture, is life and peace. I want true life in this present age, and I want true peace. And it's coming from the age to come because Jesus brings that to me if I'm walking in the spirit. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To walk in the spirit of God and let it dwell in you. When you do that, it brings life and righteousness. Oh, I want the Holy Ghost to operate in my life. Hallelujah. I want there to be a flow of God's spirit in my life that brings righteousness. Not unrighteousness, not uncleanness, but that brings righteousness. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I think we need to lift our hands and we need to pray, God, let your spirit, let it dwell in me. Hallelujah. Let righteousness dwell in me. Let life 
dwell in me. Let the peace of God dwell in me. Hallelujah. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, he He's adopted us. He has called us to sit in heavenly places. You're not in bondage any longer, but you're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're not banished out into sin and death, but God has called you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody thank God together. Hallelujah. He's made us an heir. I got to throw this out here. If you're an heir of the inheritance, you get to reap the benefits of the inheritance. Whatever Jesus establishes, you have the ability to participate in those rights and in those privileges. If Jesus said to a devil, he said, be cast out, and he cast out darkness, you have the same rights and privileges. If the Holy Ghost is operated in your life, when you wake up at night from a terror and some kind of crazy dream, and you feel a weight upon you and a negative upon you you can sit up in your bed and you can say in the name of Jesus Christ I say to that spirit of depression to flee why because I have the benefits of the inheritance that that Jesus Christ died for on a cross Amen. As the musicians come tonight, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22, if Paul said, man, when I'm in carnality and I'm in my flesh living out an existence in the present age, it produces some things in my life. We don't have to go tonight and do a roll call, but we could. And everybody here would have a testimony. Certainly Paul did. Look at all this stuff that starts cropping up. But when you walk in the spirit, then there are things that start cropping up in your life that's connected to you walking in the spirit. <laughs> and Paul said, the fruit of the spirit is love. Amen. As we stand together, I said the fruit of the spirit is love. When I'm walking in the spirit, all of a sudden, joy. <laughs> when I'm walking in the spirit, peace. Anybody need peace in the house of God tonight? Hallelujah. Our world needs peace. Thank God we know from whence it comes. It comes from the Redeemer that has paid the price to give to us the inheritance that brings peace. Long-suffering. You're in the house tonight and you need long-suffering. God needs to reach out to you and respond to you in long-suffering. It brings long-suffering. It brings gentleness. It brings goodness. It brings faith. It brings meekness. It brings temperance. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, saints of God, let's walk in the Spirit. Come on, let's walk in the Spirit. Don't want to walk in the flesh. Don't want to walk in my own carnalities. God, help me separate myself from this present age. Reach out for the age to come. Let it come to me. I'll tell you what happens. You walk in the flesh, monsters start climbing out of the abyss. 
look at me and you think, well, pastor, he has to have it together because he's the pastor. I'll tell you this. If I don't walk in the spirit, monsters start coming out of the abyss. There's a terror in me that looks to see what can come out of my own carnality. I don't want to walk in the flesh. This is why Paul said, I die daily, 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 daily. Paul, the apostle Paul said, if I don't get things right, something starts slithering up, climbing up, a foreboding present that is absolutely terrifying. But I die daily so that I can walk in the spirit of God. Amen. When you walk in the spirit of God, <laughs> when you walk in the spirit of God, heavenly things start coming down from the cross. <laughs> heavenly things start coming down from the cross. Mercy starts coming from Calvary. Forgiveness starts flowing. starts coming to me power starts coming to me. praise God praise God praise God listen to me just for a minute and let the Holy Ghost continue to move we're gonna pray here in just a moment we don't completely turn into one character or another Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. We, 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 there's no, we don't say, oh, there goes brother so-and-so. He's walking in the flesh. We don't say, there goes brother Emilio. My, look at that man walk right there. He's walking in the spirit. We don't bifurcate people like that. Our lives are too entwined and and intertangled there's no weird mo uh, serum that we take some potion that kind of gets us out of one body into another body we're we're humanity but in our humanity we can allow carnal things in the present age to dictate to us or we can allow spiritual things from the age to come to direct us and that right there is the money when you're talking about the flesh and the spirit The Holy Ghost is the power in our life to help us prioritize and conquer the pool of this present age. Oh, I feel tempted. I feel drawn by the present age. The Holy Ghost comes in and says, wait a minute, let's make a prioritization. Do we want to be drawn by and receive the accolades of the world? Or do we want to receive the accolades from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Let's prioritize some things. Who's going to have the influence in my life? Who's going to speak to me? Who's going to give me a sense of security or insecurity? I'm here to preach to you. It's not going to be this present age. It's the age to come that is coming to me in this present world. Hallelujah. What do you want to come down from the cross tonight in this place? I feel the Holy Ghost. Wherever you are, wherever you are, there is from an old rugged cross, rather than stuff coming out of hell, there is coming out of heaven something that brings life and peace. Hallelujah, right where you are in this place. Let's recreate an altar in this entire building with uplifted hands. Lord, I need the peace of God. Hallelujah, I need the peace of God. I need your cleansing. I need your washing to come down from Calvary. Let it come from the age to come. Hallelujah. Let the comfort of God come upon me in this present time, in this moment, as I lift my hands and I lift my voice. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be walking in the Spirit. Come on, let's walk in the Spirit of God right now for a few moments. Praise God. There's healing that comes from the cross. There's deliverance that comes from the cross. There's power that comes from the cross when you walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. When you walk... Oh, that's it. Come on. Come on. All over this sanctuary. All over this sanctuary and beyond these four walls. Holy Ghost is moving. Holy Ghost is moving. Holy Ghost is moving.
Somebody right here. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Hallelujah. Let glory come. I need your glory. Let heaven come. Let heaven come and touch down. I want your glory. The earnest of our inheritance. Let Show me. 